Welcome into the newest episode of Cyan Mission. And if you're listening to us for the first time in a while, we're, we apologize. We know it's been a long, long time. We life, life hit us hard, okay? Leave us alone. But it's the biggest episode of the year. It's our game of the year episode, our side mission top 10. We're excited for it. Let's get the boys in here. Kyle Lynch, Matt Beck, they've been here from the start. What's up, fellas? Hey, what's up, everybody? Hey, it's good to be back. Yes, sir. And we also have a new person here. You might notice there's four voices. Making his podcast debut, Alex Thacker. We just call him Thacker because, to be honest, well, calling him Alex, it's, it's a little weird. So, Thacker, <laughs> what's up, my man? We are super excited to have you on. Man, it's good to be here. Awesome. So, what do y'all say? We just go ahead and we get right into it. We start talking about this list because I'm really fucking excited. I'm excited for, for this. Our top 10 this year. There, yeah. There's a lot. Like, last year, and I know Kyle and Matt, y'all remember this last year? Our lists were kind of similar. There was not a lot of mystery. We only had really five games that didn't make the list that got votes. Uh, this year, that's not the case. There's a lot of games that didn't make this list, and there's a lot of games that they're gonna. There's a lot of spots that they're gonna surprise y'all. So first, I'll kind of run everyone through kind of how we did this. So I had those three. I had them send me in their individual top tens. I did one of my own, and we did it on a point scale. So if you put a game at number 10 on your list, it got one point, nine got two points, eight got three points, so on and so forth. So the number one spot, potentially, uh, the best that a game could score is 40 points. So that's ultimately what the points are out of when you look at it that way. Uh, That's how we did it. So before we get into the top 10, before we start blowing minds, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to go over the games that received votes but didn't make the list. I just told you we had five or six of these games last year. This year... We have 12. (laughs) Let's get right into them. First up on the Nintendo side of things, they are very prevalent here. New Pokemon Snap, Mario Golf Super Rush, Monster Hunter Rise, and surprisingly enough, despite the fact that they were lazy remakes, but still they were great games, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond and Shining, Shining Pearl all received votes but did not make the list. Before we move on, I kind of wanted to see how everybody's feeling after hearing that. Kind of, what's everybody feeling hearing that those games didn't make the list? So honestly, I actually expected Pokemon uh, Shining Pearl and Brilliant Diamond, or was it backwards? Uh, Yeah, yeah, I was expecting those to be on there for sure. (laughs) Yeah, I was, (laughs) I, I was probably the only one who didn't put uh, those on my list, but I, I low key expected those. Uh, Mario Golf, I think that I'm not terribly surprised about um and then the others i kind of see pokemon snap was fun um but compared to some of the other games that we got this year i think honestly if it had come out last year it probably would have been in my top 10 but this year there was a lot we got so much more than we did last year i feel max matt what do you think um, hearing what is on the, um, hearing what's on that list is not very surprising to me. Pokemon Snap, it was a, it was a great game, but it really was just kind of, you know, by the numbers, if you played the original Pokemon Snap, but it was a brilliant game. It was great to see a return to the franchise after so many years. Um, Monster Hunter Rise kind of surprised me, but I did put like the most hours into that game. I just loved it reinvented my the will and my love for Monster Hunter because I actually kind of got bored with World. Um, Golf is another one I'm not really surprised by. It was fun, especially with friends, but once you beat the campaign, the online's not all that great. It was a bit of a slow burner with updates, um, but I mean, nowadays, I know that the game has uploaded several new um, courses and characters. So it's good to see that they supported it for as long as they did. Um, but that's that's where I'll leave that at. 
You know, I want to I want to get Thacker's take too because you know two of these were on his list, and that was Mario mm-hmm. Golf and New Pokemon Snap. Thacker, you just had a little you you had a bit of fun with Nintendo games this year for once, didn't you? Yeah, I'm not much of a big Nintendo guy, but Pokemon Snap coming from a 64 view on it, and now on the Switch, it was a lot of fun. Whereas with Mario Golf. Loved the gameplay, loved it together and all everything, especially with friends like Matt said. Yeah. But it was one of those that they weren't all that high on my list. Mm-hmm. Now, sorry, go. No, you're good. You, you can keep going. You're good, bro. Um. Now, with Pokemon Diamond and Pearl, that surprised me a little bit. Even though it wasn't on my list, it still surprised me with how much they put into that. I'll tell you this. I think that with Pokemon Snap, where I struggled to put it on my list, um, and I, I can explain it here, and then I don't want to spend too much time on this because we've obviously got a lot of other stuff we got to cover. Yeah. Um, new Pokemon Snap just kind of felt like a one-dimensional kind of game. And when I say that, I'm not talking about like, you know, oh, well, you know, people are like, oh, it was, it was in 3D, clearly. Like, no, that's not what I mean. What I mean is, is that it felt like it was it, one part of the game was fun, and that was kind of it. It didn't really feel like there was you were doing you were there to do one thing. Right, right. And that was take pictures of Pokemon. Now, yeah. so taking pictures of Pokemon, it's a great damn game for that. Uh, Mario Golf, I loved Mario Golf. I still play it to this day. Uh, I loved the Diamond and Pearl remakes, even though I thought they were lazy ass remakes. And then Monster Hunter Rise is a game that I think on PC I might like it a little bit more, so when it comes to PC I might give it a try. Um, but, again, I, I thought it was a great game, but just they didn't get enough points to make the list. Now I'm really about to get some reactions because now we're going to take a look at the Xbox Game Pass side of things with the next <laughs> group of games that didn't make the list. Oh, the following Lord. four games did not make the list but did receive votes. Forza Horizon 6. Oh, 5. Hitman 3. Whoa, whoa, wow. wow. Back for Blood. Uh, okay. What? Okay. Wow. And okay. the big one, Psychonauts 2. Dang. What? Oh, okay, I, I quit. No I'm way. I'm leaving now. All of those. <laughs> so I will give you guys reference real quick because I know you're probably curious. So. The point totals that each of those games got. Psychonauts 2 was the closest to being on the list. It was off by one point. It got robbed. Psychonauts 2 got robbed. (laughs) Forza Horizon 5 had six points. Did I say six on accident? Yeah, yeah, you're good. Forza Horizon 5, my bad. People are going to crucify me, but I'm sorry. (laughs) It was was, was an emotional moment. Sorry. Hitman 3 only got three points, LOL. Uh, and back for blood got a measly one point. Dang. Wow. Wow. Oh, Those are probably some big shots shocker. right there. Yeah. Big shocker Psychonauts with that one. Two, I, I really, when I was putting the list together, I was really expecting Psychonauts 2 to make the list. So it missed by one point, and that was kind of crazy. Wow. That's crazy. There are, there are three games left that did not make the list. And again, these are these are big games. So. The Game Awards Game of the Year, it takes two to not make the list. What? <laughs> Dude. Wow. Strange, true I... Colors did not make the list. Oh. Okay. 
Okay. And Ouch. Guardians of the Galaxy. Did oh. Oh, wow. 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 Guardians of the Galaxy got three points. It Takes Two got six points. And I'm looking for I'm looking for Life is Strange. I believe it only had six points as well. Or no, it only had four. My bad. It only had four points. So, just a quick recap. Dames that received votes but did not make the list. Pokemon Snap, Mario Golf, Monster Hunter Rise, Pokemon Brilliant Diamond Shining Pearl, Forza Horizon 5, Back for Blood, Hitman 3, Psychonauts 2, Life is Strange True Colors, It Takes Two, and Guardians of the Galaxy. All received votes, but did not make the list. This really so, shows how... Wait, what, Matt? I was just gonna say this. This really shows how competitive this year has been in some very like um, that's true high rated games this year. Very true. It's very true, and you know, I think unlike last year, there was so much variation in our list. You guys have no idea. Like I texted Kyle when I got on the list, and I said, "Oh, we finna have tiebreakers." Yeah. <laughs> we finna have now, amazingly enough, we only have one tiebreaker, but I'm not going to get to that just yet. I'm not going to get to that just yet because we have to start at our number 10 spot. Yeah. So, let's get this list started. Now, this one is going to surprise you guys. This one's going to surprise you. I'm not going to lie. It beat Psychonauts 2 by one point. It only made one of our lists. But two of us have played it. One of us has played the superior version. <laughs> and the other has played the dog shit version that was on Nintendo Switch. Number Oof. ten, Monster Hunter Stories Two: Wings of Ruin. <laughs> I got wow. called out. <laughs> but but I want to talk about this because Matt, I want to say, and I want to give you credit here because yeah. yes, the Switch version was bad at launch. It was bad at launch, but they've, I think they've mostly fixed it. To be fair, I think yeah, there's. There's, there's has been some improvements. Unfortunately, though, um, after you, you, you showed me uh, it running on your, uh, on your laptop, running at that 60 FPS compared to the locked 30 FPS on the Switch. Because um, I remember when I was first playing it, and I was talking to you about it, and I was like, bro, every time I turn, there's like a three second delay. There are like pop-ins everywhere, and like I'm just running in the open, uh, open field area, and all of a sudden these monsters just like randomly will pop in, and I'm just being like. Man, this is the most garbage. <laughs> but like, the game itself, the game itself is fantastic. I love the fact that it's like Monster Hunter. Well, it's, it's more like Pokemon with a Monster Hunter yeah. skin on it. And I love. I think the story is fantastic. Uh, it kind of carries off from how the first gamers ended. Like the character that you're playing as is like the great great grandson of the uh, previous yeah. uh, main character. Um, but yeah, I actually want to give you a little bit of credit here, Matt. I yeah. actually want to give you a little bit of credit. I, I'm going to cut you off real quick. Okay. I want to yeah. give you a little bit of credit here because I had no interest when this game first came out and picking it up. I had no mm -hmm. interest whatsoever until I found out it was on la on PC. I had just gotten my laptop at that point, and I was like, you know, I kind of want a new game to play on that. Because yeah. of you and what you said about the game, that you were enjoying it, I mm -hmm. picked it up. And honestly, like 45, 50 hours later, I still haven't beaten the game, but I've loved so much about this game. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a very lengthy campaign. It's the environment, the monsters, the battles are addicting. I love it, man. Like, it's the first time in a long time that I've truly enjoyed turn based combat. And I mean, as someone who loves Pokemon, yeah. like, it, it really felt like a Pokemon game almost. So I, I really enjoyed it. So I'll let you continue what you're saying, but I think you deserve a little bit of credit. I got the game because of you. 
So you should be ha- you should be proud of I'm that. I'm very I'm I'm very happy that that she decided to take a look and pick it up and that you enjoyed it because I love it when games that I t- I play that I know that the majority of my friends don't typically play pick it up and give it a shot and end up liking it. it it's a great feeling, especially because you know it's something that we could talk about more and discuss like the story and other things that we like about it. Like I love how like the what's very kind of addicting is just like the rarity and the eggs of the monsters that you hatch that have better stats. Just like in Pokemon, they got better stats and then. There is the riding mechanic, which is actually really a lot of fun. And I love the combat system. It's a basic, like a rock, paper, scissors. It's like uh, speed, attack, and technical, I think. Yeah, and I think it's power, technical. It's power, power technical, technical, and speed. It's exactly. the most fun you'll ever have playing rock, paper, scissors, right? Exactly. <laughs> and it, it feels so good when you and your monsty, as they call them, like end up getting the same. Uh, the same attack and then you do like a, a team up attack and you do a lot of damage the boss fights are a lot of fun especially for monster hunter veterans you don't even have to like have played a single monster hunter game to get into this one and play it, it there's just so much fun to be had here and uh it's just it's very pick up and play it does have a difficulty spike i'm not gonna lie um i've got my butt kicked a couple of times by the narcuga but i eventually beat him and now he's on my team and i'm riding on him yeah, so that that might be a little bit of a surprising number ten spot because I know that again, like that that was it, it ranked very high on my list because I truly did love the game. So it wasn't like it, it wasn't me ranking out of spite to get it onto the list. I want you guys to know, but um, I absolutely loved it and I'm glad that it made it at number ten. So with that being said, y'all remember that tiebreaker that I told y'all about? I talked about that yeah. a couple minutes ago. Y'all ready yeah. to hear what that tiebreaker was? What is it? So. We had a tiebreaker for the number eight spot, meaning that the loser was still going to get on the list, but you were going to be at number nine. <laughs> the tiebreaking oh. system I had to keep from us having to do some convoluted gaming challenge, because none of us would have had time for that. Yeah. The, the, the tiebreaker I went with was, between the two games, whatever game received more votes on more lists was what I went with. So, the game that finished at 8th, which we'll get to here in a couple minutes, was on two lists. The game in our number 9 spot was only on one. Not only was it on only one list, it was our gracious guest, Alex Thacker. It was his game of the year. It oh. is Scarlet Nexus. <laughs> oh, what? Sorry, it was bro. his <laughs> game of the year. So, Thacker, you know, you've spent the most time with Scarlet Nexus. And I wouldn't say sorry. It still made the list. Yeah, true. true. We still get to talk about it. We're, we're the I same. I have not had a lot of experience. <laughs> I haven't had a lot of experience with this game, but Thacker, I have to ask. I want you to tell me why was this your game of the year? Because I'm genuinely curious. So, Scarlet Nexus was my game of the year on the simple fact of, for someone who does not play JRPGs, it was one that took me by surprise. Due to not only the beautiful graphics, but also the amazing soundtrack behind it okay my only complaint with it was the combat felt a little button mashy but they kind of made up for it with the ability to use your allies abilities and the stronger your relations with those allies were the better the ability got so after playing it for so long and really getting in depth in the story and realizing this is an anime as well, I went back and started watching the anime and seeing how the anime not only complements the game, but also 
interacts with it because there are codes cool. that you can use from the anime that relate to the game and you can use those codes and bring items into the game for your characters to build those relations that's pretty cool actually like, like that, that game just really stood out for me this year and for all the games that i played it was one that i still find myself going back and playing more of you know, I want to I want to get y'all's opinion on this because I feel like these first two spots, you know, last year our first two spots, and we're about to get a laugh out of one of them. I already know. I know. Uh, <laughs> so bad. So bad. <laughs> number ten was Bugsnax, and number yeah. nine was Animal Crossing. Yeah, I feel like those were games that a lot of people played, though, and I like how this year our first two games are. I think a lot of people played both of these games, but they're very different. These are oh, not yeah. mainstream games by any means. And yeah. I, and Kyle, you haven't really had much of a chance to put a lot of input in yet. Um, as a gamer, like, how much, like, what, what do you think that says about this year in gaming that, you know, it feels like gamers this year, at least with us, it feels like we actually stepped out of our comfort zones a little bit. Oh, yeah, and studios as well. I feel like uh, compared to last year, you know, this year we got so much more uh I would say variety in terms of content with, you know, not only just games coming out, but also like the DLCs that have come with games, you know, most famously Far Cry 6's DLC has been amazing from what I've heard. I've only played so much of it, but like, you know, it was crazy that, spoiler alert, if you haven't beat the game, if you haven't listened to our episode, Voss is still alive and they brought him back. That was one of the craziest things in Far Cry that, you know, I didn't see coming. And then they dropped a whole DLC about Voss after, you know, Jason supposedly killed him, but didn't, you know, it was crazy, you know, and there were, there's a lot, a lot of games that were coming out that, you know, were here, that were there, we had some narratives, we had some good, you know, like, I would say, uh, Kena was really, really good, independent, you know, yeah. almost cinematic oh, kind of game, it wasn't full-on yeah. just you know, action adventure, because those cutscenes was like I was watching a Pixar animated movie. Like, I would go, I would go as far as to say as Kena is a cinematic experience with gameplay in it because of just how fantastic it looked. And, you know, there was so, so much this year that we got that was, you know, very different from last year that these games that weren't mainstream are able to shine. Like, even It Takes Two winning Game of the Year, that surprised me because... There were some pretty big games above it that it had to beat, and, you know, that game outshined them to, you know, the critics, and I, that that says a lot compared to, you know, what we got ne last year and what is, you know, to come next year. You know, I just want to say, because you brought Kana Bridge of Spirits up, and I really hate that that game didn't even make, like, the game receiving votes list, because that that's a high-quality indie game, man. That is a yeah. high, high-quality indie game, and, I mean... It just goes to show, I think that this year, a lot of people have said this year is a down year for gaming. I just don't know how you say that because, I mean, again, like, we're a small podcast, right? But for us, two games, like I said, two games that stuck out to us were Monster Hunter Stories 2 and Scarlet Nexus. Now, yes, each of those only made one of our lists, but Thacker doesn't play JRPGs. I mean, you openly admitted that, right? Yeah, like, it's and, one that just does not interest me that much. Exactly, and it's like, that's the same for me. I'm not a big JRPG fan, but I like that two games that stuck out to the two of us were JRPGs. And that only stuck out to us, you know, Monster Hunter Stories 2 was in my top three, and Scarlet Nexus was his game of the year. That's awesome. So Scarlet Nexus, I think, is a game I would love to go back to at some point and give a try, hearing the way Thacker spoke about it, hearing how much you loved it. 
that makes me want to go back and try it. So I'll give you that. You know, obviously we can't talk a lot about it because I didn't play it. My, I, I haven't played any of it. I know Matt's dabbled in it a little bit. And Kyle, I don't know really what your experience was with it. I know it's not as much as Thacker. Exactly. So, it's, so I mean, I wish we could talk more about it. But, I mean, I, it is a game I'd love to go back and try. So, now, I the one thing it. is this. The one thing with tiebreakers is this. Where there's a loser of a tiebreaker, there's also a winner. Ooh. So, Thacker... I, I regret to inform you that another game that you put on your list is the reason that Scarlet Nexus ended up in nine. Oh, oh no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> because coming in at number eight is Mario Party Superstar. Whoa. Yo! <laughs> you know what? I'm not even mad about that. I'm not Mario mad about Party that. Mario Party Superstars, they both received 10 total points. Scarlet Nexus obviously got 10 from Thacker for it being his top game. And I think that Mario Party Superstars as well got 10 total points between me and Thacker. But I think it's safe to say, and I think all of us will agree, Mario Party Superstars 100% is what Super Mario Party should have been. 100% is what that game should have been. It's got online play. It's got fantastic maps that have been redone from the older games, brought back uh, over 100 of the mini games, and they're all fun. They're all frustrating, and I've been pissed off several times playing. <laughs> but Mario I will say, <laughs> this is one little fun thing that I decided to do with my profile, and I wanted to tell this story on here. So you know how you can like pick your favorite mini games and all that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So I picked for my favorite mini games all of like the Squid Game mini games. Oh, what? <laughs> that's awesome! Oh, I'm cutting, I'm yeah. cutting out the fossil. The flipping the tile, uh, mm-hmm. red light, green light, essentially. <laughs> I'm so Change happy they up. brought that one back. Like I, I, I picked all of, like the Squid Game. Just I know we'll probably get freaking sued by Netflix mentioning Squid Games. But it's okay. <laughs> so, but let's talk about Mario Party Superstars. Matt, we'll start with you. You're the big Nintendo guy here. Um, you've played a little of it. What did you think about it? Um, honestly. I was hoping that, like, with the next Mario Party, that we would actually get like, a, a brand new entry, not so much as taking some of the older maps from the N64 days because it borrows from uh, the first, the second, and the third Mario Party. And that's also where like, a lot of the mini games come from. But I understand it as a celebration of Mario Party because I think it's roughly about 15 and something odd years since we've had the very first Mario Party. So honestly, they had they chose a great selection of the mini games. Some of the most highest rated, uh, I want to say, cult classic mini games as well. And the N sixty four stages were some of the highest praised from Space Mountain. Um, uh, what was the other one that they did? The, bir- the birthday cake. Uh, there's there's so many iconic um, Mario Party levels. And when you're looking back at Super Mario Party, it was so bare bones. Like, I, I put a lot of time into it with friends. It was fun, but they literally charged you $60 to give you four maps that barely had any space at all. Um, I didn't like the fact that they cheapened the stars to how much that they would uh, charge for the coins. It just made it so much easier. Um, Super Mario Party in the, in the original one? On the Super, Mar- Super Mario Party, the very first one that came out. Uh, Ten. Oh, that's lousy. I hate yep, that. Yep, 10. Because and the, they, the stars have always cost at least 20. They made you work. They made it difficult to get the stars. And when you got the star, you felt accomplished. In this game, you get a star. And it's so like, eh, you know, I got a star. I mean, I'm it's one step closer to winning. But 
it feels more accomplished with the older games, and especially with the fact that they brought that back. You, with, know, uh, you, know, you know they are 20 coins in this one, right? Yes, exactly. It's because just how they used to be. I think that people are going to complain. Now, the biggest thing that I'm super happy they did was they finally added online. And I know a lot of people were kind of like wondering, when's Mario Party ever going to get online? And I guess the thing with Nintendo is they always considered how they would handle people who would rage quit because let's all face it, we all rage quit or we all raged at a Mario Party game. Uh, we might have lost a friend or two during a game of Mario Party, you know? Um, it's in a Mario Party game. I don't even know what it is. <laughs> so I'm just really, I'm really glad, really glad that they brought the uh, online portion of the game. And then they also brought back, as you mentioned, they brought back Red Light, Green Light, which is that uh, one of my favorites. Uh, did, they also brought back... Um, uh, flag guy says or shy guy says with the flags. Says, yes, yes, yes. Um, the mushroom gorge where you have to run around on the mushrooms and whichever the color that he picks is the one. All the others will sink down to the water. Uh, bumper balls. I love that one so freaking much. Um, and seeing them all remastered. The yeah, seeing them. Yeah, exactly. There's a there's actually a funny clip on YouTube where it's called Luigi wins Mario Party by doing nothing, and the player playing Luigi just sits there and all the other AI characters just roll around and knock each other off and Luigi wins. <laughs> there's actually there's actually quite a few of them on there where it just says Luigi does nothing and wins Mario Party. Um, but yeah, just seeing all these old time old games that I grew up with in the uh, you know Nintendo sixty four days and seeing them remaster and and looking up to today's I'm just gonna say Nintendo standards of graphics because I mean love what you know love it but I mean we're not talking PlayStation five or Series X and S levels of graphics but Nintendo just has that charm with you know their cartoony style and Mario Party fits the bill perfectly. I'll be honest, this game was in my top five. <laughs> I'll be really honest. This game was in my time. I love this. I yeah, love this game. Like, yeah. I, Matt, Matt's Matt was really critical there, but I I love this game. I I don't have <laughs> near the issues that Matt just had. Um, I think I think the game is fantastic. So yeah, uh, Kyle, I know you and Taylor have played a little bit, so I have to ask: uh, Do we need to worry about your marriage uh, <laughs> over again? Before? No, no, not at all, dude. Because uh, I'm always gonna win. No, don't let don't tell her I said that, dude. <laughs> but no, uh, I <laughs> no, I I love the game. Honestly, it's much better than Super Mario Party, in my opinion. Yeah, this was one hundred percent what it should have been. What it, what a game should have been. But you know, guys, I, I I think that as we get to our number seven spot, I I think that we can all agree Kyle hasn't talked enough. Yeah, Kyle agreed. Kyle agreed. hasn't talked enough. So for our number seven spot, and I just want to give you a little reference, this next game had 11 points. Had one point more than Superstars and Scarlet Nexus. So Kyle, for our number seven spot, I guess it's the Platinum Run because it's Returnal. Damn! Oh, let's go! Oh my god, oh, dude. Oh, I'm bringing back some PTSD with that one. I'm oh man, gosh. dude. Oh, Returnal. Timberlake brought sexy back and I'm bringing PTSD back. <laughs> so here we go. Dude. Let's talk about Returnal because it's a hard game, but I think that all of us that have seen it and have played it can all agree there, there's a great game in it. Absolutely. Absolutely. That yeah. that game, the reason I actually made it my game of the year was solely because that game pushed me harder than any other game has ever pushed me because I I don't rage quit very often. 
I will take a beating from a game before I rage quit. And when I tell you, I had come so close to breaking my brand new DualSense controller so many times, I physically had to get up and turn, not put it in rest mode, I had to turn my PlayStation off because I knew I could not turn it on for the rest of the day. That game was so frustrating. And at the same time, every single run where I got further and further, I felt so accomplished. And by the time that I was actually beating the game over and over, I, you know, I, I could run through levels and it was insane. The amount of projectiles being thrown at you, the amount of enemies on screen and like... It was so wild that I was actually, like, dodging all of this stuff and effectively taking out enemies because I, you know, back when I first started this game, it was so, so I, I legitimately thought about deleting the game because it was so hard. I was just oh, frustrated. Oh, yeah, like, it was, yeah. Rusty actually got me into the game, and I was what thinking early on. Yeah. I was I was thinking early on, I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this. This game is way too hard. But something just kept pushing me to keep going and keep going. And I ended up loving the game so much that I platinumed it. And it is it is actually, I believe, my rarest platinum. That is... It's a hard platinum. Oh, yeah. If, if you have that platinum, I commend you. That was the hardest shit I have ever done in gaming. I mean, that was so insane. And I really, really would like... To see more of, you know, if they give us a Returnal 2 or if they do DLC, I think that would be awesome. But I think there's something bigger here. This was the first kind of 3D roguelike that we had seen on console, you know, and it really redefined the genre and, you know, what could what could be for the future. We could see other games, maybe not a Returnal 2, but maybe, you know, another 3D open, you know, kind of roguelike sort of game where it's not a top-down grid you know uh system it was it was so so different and as a person who plays quite a few roguelikes i was really excited for how new this felt even though i you know i know what roguelikes are like you go through you pick up items you know you die you play it again you go through you pick up items you die you play it again but this game just felt like a new experience over and over and I loved the environments, the enemies, the weapons. I mean, everything was just so beautiful. And the number the number one thing I have to praise this game for is how it showed off the capabilities of the PS5. The particle effects on screen were, I mean, just mind-blowing. The fact that this game was running at a smooth 60 FPS and 4K with the amount of things happening on screen... When you would kill enemies, the amount of particle effects that would come off their bodies, when you would break things, or when you'd even move through the grass, there would be, like, little, you know, particles of light that would flow up, and that is really, really difficult to achieve on, you know, a game that's not on PC, and make it run and look that way. I mean, it really, aside from, you know, how smooth and great the game looked, it was really a showcase alongside with Ratchet & Clank what the PS5 could do and what we could be getting, you know, next year and beyond. Jesus, Kyle, get a fucking room with this game, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think a lot of what you said there is true, though. I think that the, the biggest thing is that I think this is not just the first, like, 3D roguelike. It's one of the first real mainstream ones. 
Like this That's game true. was heavily, heavily yeah. advertised. It was heavily, heavily marketed to the public. And I think that there's a lot to be said about making a roguelike essentially mainstream. Hades kind of did that last year, and it's a very, very popular game. A lot of people thought it should have won Game of the Year. Um, yeah. But I, I think that Returnal is definitely going to be something. That it's, it's, a, it's a landmark game in terms of how much we're going to see roguelikes moving forward in mainstream. So, from one game that's pretty hard to another, <laughs> let's talk about our sixth-ranked game, shall we? Because once oh, again... Going up by one point to 12 points, our number six game is also our last Nintendo game on the list, and that is Metroid Dread. Uh, what? So <laughs> all right, all right. So I'm going to start with Thacker because it was on your list, and we'll go over to you, Matt, but Thacker I hadn't talked in a minute. And I, want, I, want, I want him to talk a little bit. He's our guest. And also, yeah. Matt, we don't yeah. like you. Yeah, so be our guest. Um, <laughs> so, Acker, talk about Metroid Dread, man. What did you like about it, and why did you put it on your list? Man, so that game was on my list for a couple reasons. From coming on the nostalgia, just from Metroid alone, it really just brought something new. I mean, we waited, what was it, Matt? About 14 years. Exactly. 14 years for that game. And... Having a new one just really brought the memories back. So that was the main reason. The side pieces for that, though, were the combat was just beautiful. The challenge behind the bosses just really made you think how to actually complete each different boss. But it was one of those that beautifully made just... Wish I could put more time into that one for sure. So Matt, what about you? Um, I'll say this: for as Metro Dread, I definitely think like that. I put that number two on my list. Surprisingly, not my game of the year. It almost did. I'm not gonna lie; it almost did, but it just didn't quite hit the nail on the head for me. But I'll See, say it's hard about. You to believe that because you said that Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy was your game of the year, and then you put it at ten. Yeah, I know. I think Come I had on. a very, I had a very bipolar game of the year, like uh, decision making. <laughs> but um, so for Metroid Dread, it it basically for me it meant to oh, oh the world to actually get this game because Metroid Dread has been teased for many 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 years, even far as back as a nice little tease in Metroid Prime Three Corruption back on the Wii. There was a line if you were on a uh, Federation ship and you actually were doing some exploring, you would find a um, you would find a, a codex page or whatever, and you scanned it, and it would say uh, Metroid Dread coming to completion. Now, Metroid Dread has been rumored for a very long time, as far back as since Metroid uh, Fusion on the Game Boy Advance, which was the last game in the uh, mainline uh, Metroid uh, 2D side-scrolling uh, series outside of Metroid Prime. Um, what Metroid did so perfectly well is it lived up to the name Dread because in the game, there are sections in the game where there are these uh, robot AI called the Emmys. And during their sections, they are so agile. Some are fast. Some can go invisible. And the moment they catch you, it's almost an instant death. So it adds a perfect challenge. It gives you a slight option, uh, like a, a quick time event. Or if you time it just right, you can get away and stun the Emmy. And it just... It keeps up with the Metroid tradition of how the map is, where there's hidden uh, upgrades everywhere. Uh, the game map is ginormous. It's what I expected from uh, the team behind uh, this, the same team that made 
Metroid uh, 2 Samus Returns last year on the 3DS, which was a remake of the original Samus uh, Metroid 2. Um, the boss fights really had you, uh, you had really had you thinking. Some were very easy, and then you had some that broke that broke the mold that you expected from a 2D Metroid game. And it did it a lot of things new, and it felt so familiar, but it also felt so fresh at the same time. And it was just really great to see a character like Samus come have such a strong comeback after the abysmal piece of crap that was Metroid Other M. Don't get me started on that. Now all I want is Metroid Prime Four, and I'll be very happy. Yeah, I think I think uh, you you are. I, I think that you two have convinced me like that game is absolutely worth giving a try. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about a two D a two D side scroller kind of oh, in in twenty twenty one. But I, but I mean, I've heard a lot of people say it's a great game. So I, one of these days, I think I'll be willing to try it. And I think Kyle would probably say the same. Um, <laughs> with that being said, we have now reached our top five. Just so everybody is aware how big of a jump we're actually about to make. Metroid Dread had 12 points. Our number five game has 20 points. And the oh, difference wow. between the second overall spot and the fifth overall spot is five points. Oh, wow. Wow. Our top <laughs> That's five, crazy. Our top five was close. So, let's get into it. First, in the number five spot, if you had told me at the beginning of the year that this game would have been fifth, I would have told you absolutely not. It's my game of the year favorite. Mm. And I love this game. And I'm excited to talk about it. Coming in at five, it's Far Cry 6. Ooh, let's All go. Right. All right, yeah. Interesting. Another fantastic entry into the Far Cry universe, in my opinion. Kyle talked a little bit about it earlier. I was going to throw a little joke in there about, you know, oh, well, just remember Far Cry 6, because we're going to talk about it here in a bit. But <laughs> Far Cry 6, I have said that the best way to describe this game, it is definitive next-gen Far Cry. Yeah. 100% it is. In Absolutely. terms of gameplay, the way it runs, how smooth everything is. I love the environments. I think that you really get immersed in the environments. The big thing for me in Far Cry games is the environment has to pull me in. So in Karat, in Far Cry 4, and on the island in Far Cry 3, and you know, I think that Yara did that for me as well. I think that that's what Far Cry 5, where I kind of lost something, was that it being in you know a fictional county in Montana environment's just not all that interesting, you know? It's just, you know, backwoods hillbillies. I mean, I live in Cookville, Tennessee. I see this. It's grass. Grass everywhere. <laughs> I see grass all the time, you know? And that's not a good one. I love but, you know, I, I live in Tennessee. Like, I see this all the time. So, you know, I think that was where Far Cry 5 kind of lost me. Far Cry 6 pulled me right back in because of how diverse it is. Because there's some towns that, you know, feel like Central American towns do. And there's jungles, and there's beaches, and there's army bases. Like there, it's so varied, and I like that. I love that it didn't feel the same. Now, there were issues in the game. There were some pacing issues in the story, especially a certain concert mission, Kyle, that me and you discovered that we hated. Oh. Um, <laughs> but I think the number one thing that was fantastic in this game that we can all agree on was Giancarlo Esposito's performance as Anton Castillo. Yes, hands down. Another another fantastic villain in the Far Cry and Far Cry lore, adding to Vas Montenegro, uh, pagan men, 
Joseph Seed, the Jackal from Far Cry 2. He was fantastic in this game. Thacker, I'll start with you. Uh, what did you love about this game? Because I think that there's a lot to love in this game. So with that game, I loved a lot on it. From being able to explore every little bit of the island, being able to find these exclusive weapons from different treasures and everything like that. Yes. And even having that small little Easter egg of being able to finish the game early mm -hmm. just by driving a boat all the way to <laughs> Florida. Um, Get your trophy. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, it was just a great game altogether, but I think the one thing that stood out the most that brought the most, to me at least, for Far Cry 6 was having that new mechanic of the Supremo. Oh, I just loved it. That was one thing that just stood out the most and being able to utilize that with the different versions and mechanics for it just really stood out the most outside of the beautiful graphics, of course. I agree. I love the Supremo, dude. That was awesome. Kyle, you're a big Far Cry fan. Like, like I think a lot of us are at this point. Um, where did this, where does this game for you, where does this game stand in terms of all the games? Ooh, I would say this game is somewhere between Far Cry 3 and Far Cry 4 for me. Because Far Cry 4, I think, was probably my favorite. Just because, you know, the amount of fun I had with the co-op on that game. I mean, what a big upgrade from the dog shit co-op that was Far Cry 3. <laughs> um, you know, even though I think in Far Cry 4 you weren't able to do story stuff until Far Cry 5. Take, I didn't need it, honestly. The, taking out the outposts and going and doing, you know, just these little missions here and there with, you know, my friends was so much fun. And like you said, the environment was so beautiful. And, you know, I, I think that Far Cry 4 was where they first, uh, that was where you could grapple helicopters yeah. and, like, uh, vehicles and stuff like that and i have so many memories of either me driving around a friend who is swinging from my helicopter or me swinging from a friend's helicopter and like it's just it was there was so much goofiness like you could you could be you could have somebody grappled to your helicopter lower them down into an airbase and just you know they just wipe it out and go on to the next one it was there was so much you know wackiness and at the time I think it was so perfect for where Far Cry was, and I think Far Cry 5 just, it tried to do too much, and Far Cry 6 brought it back to that serious tone that we felt in Far Cry 3 with just enough wackiness from Far Cry 4 where it didn't take away from the serious tone, but also at the same time wasn't, you know, this hyper-realistic game because we were still able to go out and do all kinds of crazy, goofy stuff. I agree. You know, Matt, I think that a lot of people, when it comes to Far Cry games, and I agree at this point with this this notion, that a Far Cry game is as good as its main villain. Absolutely. And if you can, if you if it's the if you're the villain and you don't and you're not able to land with the audience, you're gonna have a tough time. Well, I know based on the conversations me and you have had, I don't know how Giancarlo Esposito did not get a best performance um, nomination. Because of the memes, um, when it came to the Game Awards, uh, the voice actress of Lady Dimitres, don't get me wrong, she did a fantastic job, but come on, nobody was going to give up the opportunity to vote for Lady Dimitres. 
Come on. That's a fact. Half, yeah. Half of the, half of the year a little bit dedicated to her. <laughs> I love memes, but like that 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 meme really ran its course really. Yeah, early. absolutely. Especially so, if you played Resident Evil Village, you know why. Exactly. <clears throat> exactly. So but Far Cry six, fantastic game. I think we all I think we all loved it. I mean it comes in at number five. It's top five. That's gotta be something. I do. I do want to point out one thing I loved about this Far Cry in general is the fact that I make complaints about uh, these open world games being way too big. I mean, Far Cry uh, Six is no you know exception to that. But the diversity of travel in this game is incredible. From the boats, from the uh, what what is it, the hang gliding, um, the wingsuit, the different vehicles. They did a fantastic job at really showcasing the tra- you know the traversity of this especially with the fact that they put those those paths that you could follow instead of having to stick to the main road but i think that that was a fantastic addition that really and it, and it made sense with the story because the gorillas used those paths to travel to avoid detection from castillo's army so the fact that they managed to get that in there and made the traversity with the grapple hook being able to climb up the mountains or zip line down they did a great job at demonstrating how an open world game should be i agree 100 percent. so i again I, I i at the beginning of the year i probably would have thought this game would be a lot higher on the list but i mean hey top five is not bad at all i i, I couldn't hate that at all so yeah i think it's fantastic place to, for it. so let's get into number four two points mm-hmm. above it with 22 points so I think we can all agree that the first year of next-gen systems, PlayStation 5 has been pretty freaking solid, I think, right? Like, we've had some really, really good PlayStation 5 exclusives. Uh, We've talked about one already, Returnal. We're not going to talk about one for number four, because number four is when Xbox decided to finally join the party and release Halo Infinite. Oh, my God. (laughs) Halo Infinite, they finally have their next-gen exclusive. And, spoiler alert, it's pretty freaking good. It yep. is pretty freaking good. I know we've all played the multiplayer. Kyle has played about 2,000 hours of the game already. <laughs> I wish I was joking. It's probably a lot closer to like 200, which is still absurd because he tells us he can't game with us. <laughs> yeah, if you're including the, uh, the multiplayer, then yeah, he's definitely put a lot <laughs> but, of hours into this game. All jokes aside, though, Halo Infinite is a, is a real really 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 nice return to form for halo coming off halo 5 guardians was a really disappointing game kyle you're the biggest halo fan i know man tell me what you loved most about this game all right so i'm gonna try and talk about it with no spoilers but this game almost did not make my list okay (laughs) this game almost did not make my list until i beat the campaign and i gotta say from beginning to end, this game was a wild ride. It, it, there's some issues. This is not a perfect game, but I felt like the core elements were there. There was character development, or there was character growth, I felt, with Master Chief from beginning to end. Obviously, minor spoiler alert, Cortana is dead, as we found out in the very beginning, before you even leave the tutorial, that somewhere between Halo 5 and 6, Cortana died. So, they replace her with this new AI called The Weapon. You don't find out her name until the very end of the game, but I was very, very put off by them introducing a new AI after 
I I grew up with Halo. Like, yeah, Cortana was the AI. Like, it it was Cortana and Master Chief. You know, that's just, that's how it was. It was so off-putting. And by the end of this game, I actually felt attached to that character. I feel attached to this AI. And, like, I don't want her to leave. Like, I actually love the character so much so that, dare I say... If they choose to replace Cortana with her, I will accept it because she has so much character and personality that she didn't feel like, you know, just a bland replacement for, you know, plot reasons. It was, you know, the the way they explain everything, it was done so well. It was it was all done really, really well, and I really loved the character interactions with her and Chief and, you know, the interactions with the enemies, like the grunts, are so damn funny, dude. When, like, you'll be uh, you'll be out in combat, and then they're just like yelling absurdities at you, just saying the dumbest shit, and it's so funny. <laughs> I loved the multiplayer of Halo Five, and I hated the story. I think this game did really well with bringing back a good story and giving me a good, you know, kind of mesh of that modern-day Halo that we got in Halo 5, and a little bit, you know, of a setback with, with you know, the abilities and all the crazy dumb shit that they added that nobody liked. They took out that stupid Warzone game mode that was complete garbage. Um, honestly, all I really have to complain about with this game is the Battle Pass progression, which they've been working on, but it was so bad. So bad when it, when it launched. But... I really think that this game, if it's the last Halo game, I will be okay with that too. If this, if they, if they just end it here and you know they drop a DLC for the story, and you know we just continue with the Halo multiplayer, I think that would be great because this was really this was an ending to you know Master Chief's story. I don't need any more than this, and I I really think that trying to continue would just be doing too much. So we all played a lot of Halo 5 Guardians multiplayer. We all played a lot of it together as well back when the, yeah. you know, the Spider-Man villains meme was a thing. Dude, the good day. I get stuck with rhinos too. <laughs> <laughs> Jack, still is that? Like, he is! <laughs> mine, mine, oh, come on. Is KSI. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we need to, we need to update our profile pictures for the boys. Bogu. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> uh, we did grow, we did do Grogu as well. So I'm glad I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> oh, that was fun. You shut up. We were Baby Yoda's disciples. Damn it. <laughs> 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 Anyways, back to Halo. Um, let's talk about the multiplayer a little bit because I want to know. Like, we all played a lot of it. Matt Thacker and either one of you can go ahead with this. Where do y'all think the multiplayer improved from Halo Five Guardians to this? Player, well, I learned this. I never take a sniper rifle from Thacker again. Um, or at least if you're going to, at He's least be able to aim. Man. Yeah, if you better be able to aim if you take one. Yeah, I let's just say I, I found his. I found it near him, and I took it, and I was like, "Man, I'm gonna get some headshot." Now I completely wasted all the bullets in it. Um, the multiplayer. I I don't know what it is that makes this uh, multiplayer so much better than what we got in, in Halo 5 Guardians, like, I mean, that was fun, too. I mean, you know, we get up in a party, and the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get in a Warthog, and we're going to go, let's ride, and all that. Um, but I think, for me, it's partially the map designs are better. Um, 
I think that the fact that you're not instantly already given these abilities, but they're like they're just kind of scattered around the place, and you can you know grab them, such as the grapple hook, which feels very satisfying when you have a grapple hook and you see an enemy. Because believe me, your enemies are going to be in all the vehicles on the map. So if you're not fast enough, so it's really really satisfying when you grapple onto an enemy's vehicle and, and you just take it from them. Um, my only complaint that I have, and I know that they're only doing this because of the battle pass, which is a very frustrating, is how random the modes are. Yes, they have added more, but in the very beginning, with the they just released the multiplayer. Um, I'm sorry, I don't want to play capture the flag seven times in a row. I don't want to. I, I don't want to play oddball constantly, but they're doing it so they can balance out how the challenges work. And back on the on the battle pass, I mean, I don't want to really put this at the forefront of the multiplayer, but it's kind of in your face about it. And I was curious to check out the store and Jesus Christ, the prices on these, on these cosmetic items is ridiculous. Oh, like yeah. for a skin color, I'm not fixing to pay 10 bucks just to change the color of my Spartans armor. Um, yeah, but the progression system has improved a lot. Uh, I just wish that you got more experience based off how you performed in the game and not so much what you did in the game for the challenges so right. i hope in the future they, they continue to make improvements on that but halo is always going to be known for its multiplayer and halo infinite's multiplayer is no different i feel like that this will carry on the game until whatever next halo that we see oh yeah and it's, it's going to stay strong they'll keep updating it they've already updated some of the more uh beloved modes like swat and all that so it's great to see it back I don't think we got zombies yet, so I do hope we can get that or uh, infected, as they call it. Um, there's a there's a, there's a lot to be done here, but at the same time, it is the Halo multiplayer that we all know and love and grew up with. Yeah, fun fact. Uh, don't quote me on this, but I believe this was the most expensive game ever made. This game, Halo Infinite, cost five hundred million dollars to make. Well, yeah, wow. there's that year delay. <laughs> yeah, five five hundred million dollars and a whole year delay, and they spent it on a grapple hook. I'm done. Hey, I'm gonna say you this about Halo. <laughs> I think that that's a good place to move on. <laughs> hey, I'm gonna say this about the grapple hook right quick. If you're gonna do an open world game and you don't have a grapple hook, I don't want it. <laughs> Yeah, for real. <laughs> I think that uh, I think that, that Kyle dropping that on us. I think it's time to move on. So, I can, I can we have reached the top three. And oh boy, these three games. Oh boy. Oh yeah. Let's let's see the heartbreak. So number three with twenty four points, two above Halo Infinite. It's a PS five exclusive, and it was what I called the biggest oh. surprise of the year. It is. Deathloop. Okay. All right. Ooh, let's go. That's a good so placement. Deathloop, Deathloop 100% for me was the biggest surprise of the year. We got so much, so many trailers and so many <laughs> events that showed this game off, but at no point did we have what the, any idea what the fuck this game was. Yeah, yeah. No never doubt Sony. We had no idea what this game was, but it's fantastic. I loved, loved how they did the day-night cycle where you could go to any one, any of the four districts, and while you're there exploring, time doesn't move forward until you leave. You're not, you don't feel like you're on any kind of time constraint. You can explore to your heart's content. I love how even when you have to reset loops or when you die, you maintain all the information you learn. Love that, and I love that the gameplay felt more streamlined here than it's ever felt for me in Dishonored. 
because I I think the Dishonored games are quality games, but the gameplay has always felt a little rough around the edges for me. It, it's never felt smooth enough. This game did not have that issue. I thought the gunplay felt weighty, and it felt like like when you shot a shotgun at somebody, you felt the kick, especially in the dual sense. You felt that kick, and I loved this game. Kyle, me and you damn near obsessed about this game. When it came out, dude, we obsessed like shit about it, dude. Uh, what made this game a great game, in your opinion? For me, it was the innovation. I think it was, you know, like you said, the day-night cycle was... Personally, I think that was something that we've never seen before. I mean, being able to go to an area during a specific time and not have time progress until you leave that area, that was really cool because, like... It, you know, it still uh, implements this sense of urgency. Like, I, I have to get things done in this area during this time period because once I move on, I can't just come back. But at the same time, it didn't force you to, you know, have five minutes before, it, you know, it's afternoon and then all of a sudden it's gone. It's You can spend as much time here as you'd like and, you know, you can go on exploring and do this and that and... I, I really, really loved That was my favorite mechanic in the game. Matt, I want to talk about the game's story because I think that that is a, an aspect of this game that really got severely overlooked. Because the story of this game is really, really interesting and it's really deep and connected. And it's a lot of people have compared it to maybe kind of a From Software game where it's more about, you know, notes you pick up, items you pick up. It's not as much about cutscenes, right? But I don't know. Like, there was a part of me that, even though I had to read, I felt very invested in this game's story, Matt. What did you think about the story, Matt? I thought thought the story was brilliant, honestly. I like the fact that, it's like you said, you didn't have to watch a bunch of cutscenes to really get the story. The story pretty much just revolved around each time that you went to a different district. And it was just listening into the conversations from the enemies. Um, and... Uh, it's like what collecting the collecting all the all the clues that you could find, which I love the fact, as we mentioned it before, that you retained all the clues like when you find them that you know you get to keep it, um, and then you use those clues to basically uh, figure out the best way to approach a situation to take out the uh, what do they call them? Mercenaries, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly, um, and. I think that the storytelling is so strong just because of the fact that it's pretty much you have to pay attention to the world. You have to pay attention to what you're reading. Um, and I'm just going to say this. So many twists, so many things I didn't expect. Um, the cast was brilliant. It was all brought to life out by the voice actor uh, of Colt and um, uh, what's her name? Yeah, yeah. Um, they, everyone did such a fantastic job in like bridging you into the game and making you want to learn more and figure out exactly how you're supposed to approach every situation. Because at the end of the uh, at the end of the day, to beat the game, you have to have what is called the perfect loop. You have to be able to get everybody where they need to be, and you do that by finding all the right clues, finding out exactly how do you get certain people to be together. And it's just the first time I've ever seen a game do this, and it does it so perfectly. You know, this game featured my 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 personal favorite like side mission moment of the year, and that's in the episode me and Kyle recorded when he called Charlie one of the visionaries. And I quote, 
just a big fucking baby. <laughs> Look, that was what he called him, and I love that. Dude, he was, though. But <laughs> Hearing you guys talk about so much, I entered into a contest at work to try to get a free game. This was one of my top three games that I asked on that list. And it just so happened I got the email today. I won it, and I am so excited to start playing it. Oh hell yeah! I that Definitely. is one that I can't I can't wait. I'm so glad you got a PS5 so you can play it. But I can't <laughs> wait to see you play it so you can like kind of see uh, hopefully the same thing we all saw because you know I think a lot of people in IGN or Gamespot put out that this game got a 10 out of 10. Yeah, a lot of people are like, oh well, it's got flaws, and I'm like, sure, it's got flaws, but so does every game. I mean, my favorite game of all time is Bloodborne, and I think Bloodborne does have some flaws in it. I love I love a lot of games that probably have problems. In fact, the two games <laughs> that we have left to talk about both probably do have issues. But I could also see where you could give them both ten out of ten. So it's like I, I think Death Loop is a masterpiece. It's masterclass game design is what I've said before. Yes. And I will say that and that's the hill that I'll die on. So let's move into the big reveals. I am excited. I'm, I'm, I'm excited for these last two. Oh, so, yeah. Oh, man. Number two with 25 points. Deathloop was one point away from potentially being in a tiebreak. Uh-huh. It was a game that I loved every second of playing. I had so much fun playing this game. I've beaten it many times now. <laughs> and it really it gave me love for a franchise that maybe I didn't quite love enough before. Coming in at number two, Resident Evil Village. Whoa, huh? Ooh, oh, let's go. Resident oh, yeah. Evil Village. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. Okay. That's yeah, high up there. Yeah, be going. Have say, have I have to say, probably, probably this year, probably my favorite video game environment. I have to say. Probably oh, yeah. my favorite. Yeah. The village, the entire yeah. map, I really loved it. I liked how different each area was. Like, you had Dimitrescu, the Dimitrescu Castle. Uh, you had the reservoirs. You had uh, Heisenberg's factory, which is really cool. But I think, and, and Kyle, the, the, doll house. Brought up here, the dollhouse. The dollhouse. One of the best Resident Evil village, or one of the best Resident Evil puzzles to date in the franchise, in my opinion. Kyle, again, it's a franchise you love. <laughs> It's a franchise you love. Tell me about Village, man. And, and you, you seem kind of surprised that it made it this high. Yeah, I definitely did not expect it to take it. I'm really happy that it took number two because I, even I, I think I, I ranked it like uh, a little bit lower than my four and five. Uh, but I, I absolutely loved the hell out of this game. And yes, that dollhouse. There are not a lot of horror games that will physically make me scream. And I, when <laughs> when I came out of the door and I saw those entrails leading down the hallway, and I was like, hmm, what's this? Thinking, ah, oh, it's just going to be some jump scare when I get to the end of the hallway. And then this giant fucking baby just starts coming around the corner, and I am defenseless. I, there is nothing that I can do. I have no choice but to turn around and just run. I was physically screaming because I had nothing to do. I was like, I'm done. I'm doomed, dude. It was so terrifying. <laughs> and you have no weapons. You have nothing. All you can do is run away from it and just pray to God. <laughs> but this whole game, I think it it really could have been longer. And 
I don't knock it for not being because the length I felt at first was a little too short, but going back and replaying, it's one of those games where you can play it over and over, and there's actually a trophy for beating it in, like, three and a half hours or something. Not gonna happen. And, like, it's, <laughs> you know... Hours. It's less than two hours. Going, yeah, going going through the game multiple playthroughs, I think, is how the game was meant to be played, because... You know, there's so many little story things that I feel like you don't pick up on the first time that you go through, but the second and third time you might notice or, you know, there's some character quirks that you might pick up on a little earlier or some, you know, hints here and there that there's just so much, you know, to dissect in this game through multiple playthroughs. I, I really don't feel like one playthrough is enough. And with that being said, if the game was longer, I don't think it would have enticed people to replay it over and over and I, I, at first, I didn't like it, but as time went on, I think this game benefited from being shorter. I don't know why I ended it there. That was fucking weird. No, you're good. You're good. I, I'm just gonna leave. I'm just gonna leave this. I'm not even gonna fucking edit that out. Um, <laughs> you know, I'll tell you. I'll tell you where this game got a lot of points was because Thacker put it at number two. Believe it or not, I All put right. it top five. I put it top five. And you and Matt both put it around seven or eight, I think. I think it's where both of you kind of ranked yeah. it. Um, but Thacker, you put it at number two. You thought, obviously, very highly of it. I know when we talked about it when it first came out, you loved it. Um, talk about why you loved Village so much. So, coming from someone who's played Resident Evil a lot, with the exception of the VR editions, Village stood out to me. I borrowed it to play, and instantly realized this was one game i did not need to borrow so i gave it back and instantly turned around and bought it and as soon as i did i realized this was not a mistake seen the just ah uh, what's the word i'm looking for so just seeing the characters come together all to, throughout all of it was one of those that just stood out fantastically. And then seeing the challenges and seeing what rewards were and seeing how challenging it was, was just impressive. Mm -hmm. Yo, you remember uh, the uh, bird cages? No, yeah, the, the, bird the remember the little things you'd, you'd have to get the um the puzzle that you'd have to get the that little ball for it and you put oh, it in yeah, yeah, yeah that was really oh, yeah, that yeah, was the, different the, yeah. crystals and everything yeah 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 that, that was, was cool. impressive but also seeing the like side missions and everything after beating the game to where i think one of them you get a lightsaber in the entire game playthrough after beating it what that's awesome yeah it was one of the like uh, missionary, or I think yeah, it was missionary. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, the missionaries playing one of those. I think it was the last one. If you beat it and got like triple S rank on it, you get a lightsaber that you can use throughout the entire game. That's crazy. It was that's crazy. impressive. I have to check that out. I have tried it so many times. It, it's it's a challenge, guys. <laughs> I will tell you that it's a challenge. But from that, and I, will, I, wanna, the... I wanted to add on to something you said because you, you mentioned like the side stuff, and I wanted to see if you guys thought this too. And Thacker, I'll stay with you here. I liked how throughout the game, as you like moved the story forward, different areas 
changed. Yeah. Like new yeah, enemies, hands down. enemies would inhabit Larius. Like the you know, the graveyard outside of the elevator to get to the dollmaker's house. If you go back to that area after you fight, you know, after you find, you know, what you need to get into the tomb, you go back and there's that big enemy that's there that yeah. just eats bullet. And if you're and when you're not expecting it and you just run down there and he comes out from behind the corner, oh my god. I oh, yeah. That that uh, was that was a challenge there. Yeah. So Thacker, like, what else, what else for you made this game work? What really impressed me on it was there wasn't a lot of jump scares, but the few that were there stood out from the old lichen in the cornfield to oh, yeah. the giant boar outside the graveyard. Even even just trying to collect the rare meats for the Duke's recipes were just challenging in itself. And it just really brought a new light to how much Resident Evil can actually bring to the table. Can I tell you all about the biggest jump scare in the game for me? And oh, oh Lord. So it's actually tied to that other jump scare I just talked about. When you're going back to that area, you know kind of that um that covered walkway? You know that like one house you walk past and mm-hmm. you yep. go in and there's one of those puzzles and all that? Well, yeah. when you go back to that area, your original pathway is blocked. So you have to go into that covered walkway. Well, when you walk out into that little yard area, there's just this big ass mountain goat. Yep. That's just sitting there. And that thing scared the shit out of me. <laughs> I'm not even, even going to cap. I'm not even going to cap. It, I was like, I was, I think I was playing the game. I was at my parents' house. My mom was watching me. She loves horror stuff like that. And we audibly both said, oh, shit, when we walked in. <laughs> like, it, I kid you not. It was so funny. So, but I, there's so much to love about this game, man. Like, And the characters were great, too, you know? I thought Mother Miranda was kind of disappointing as the main yeah. villain. Yeah. Um, but I, I, loved, I loved the four lords, man. I loved, and I loved, like, the hidden kind of lore behind each character, and I especially the duke i just found like the all the characters are so interesting there's a lot to love about that game so i think that it coming in at number two definitely a very 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 deserving spot um with that being said it's time to reveal our 2021 side mission game of the year oh i wonder what it could be (laughs) boy if you haven't figured it out you're kind of fucking dumb uh Oh, I, I wish I could, you know, give like a good intro to this to do it justice, but I'm just going to leave you with this. Our number 10 game was Monster Hunter Story. It had eight points. Our number two game was Resident Evil Village. It had 25 points. Coming in with our game of the year for 2021 with a grand total of 36 points. Wow. 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 Okay. Out, of, okay. out of a potential 40. Almost perfect. It's Ratchet and Clank ripped apart. Let's go! There we go. Ratchet and Clank ripped apart. One of the only games, believe it or not, that made all four of our lists. Wow. There were not many games that made all four of our lists. There were not many of them. But this one, the lowest it got ranked was fourth overall by Thacker. 
He got yeah. ranked, I believe, second overall by Kyle. And me and Matt both gave it our personal game of the year. So, Matt, you didn't get to talk about Oh, let's Village. go, Rusty. Let's go. Yeah, no, me, me, me and you, we're the right motherfuckers here. <laughs> Whoa, now. But, <laughs> but, Matt, since you didn't get to talk much about Village, let's talk about Rift Apart and what made that game so great. Because, man, I feel like that's the closest to – that could be the closest to a perfect game I think I've ever played. I'm going to talk about this from the very beginning. The moment you're starting up the game, I I was amazed. So this was my first, the first real next gen experience. I honestly felt like I was getting like the moment you spoot up the game and it starts off with Ratchet in the parade and you're just looking around and you know during the the conversations going on, you can walk around, take a look around. It's it's fantastic. Like. There is not a single moment that I my jaw was not dropped when I saw this. It was like watching a living, living, breathing, like, uh, I don't want to say Pixar movie. Everyone wants to say Pixar movies, but, I mean, it really was. It was just, it was just insane how it looked like I was watching a movie, and considering there actually is a Ratchet and Clank movie that came out, um, the game looked way better. So, uh, <laughs> um but from playing all the Ratchet and Clank games, um, I love the series. I think that Insomniac has just made such an amazing cast of characters over the years with Ratchet and Clank themselves. Um, Quark with being as hilarious as ever. And then not just that, but they introduced new characters with Rivet, um, who who just melds and so perfect with the world and you, you just love her you adore her so much and they gave her such an amazing story and the gameplay it does never let it just just never stops it doesn't let you go it's the perfect platformer um the the standing out moments for me is just some of the reveals in the in the story with like rivet's past and like what happened with her arm and then you find out that the uh other robot um Kid. Right, Kit, yep, is responsible for her, you know, her distrust for, for robots. But, I mean, at the end of the game, everything comes together and you just, you really feel so accomplished and you just watch all these characters grow and develop friendships and relationships. And at the end, I want more Rivet. I love you, Ratchet, but come on, Rivet is, 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 is amazing. Like, uh, the fact that they made the stand, the main character stand more off to the side and let the new character, the new Lombax coming through. And honestly, I felt like it was her game and not so much of Ratchet's. Uh, the voice cast was hilarious. Dr. Nefarious, it was great to see him back. Um, the level design was fantastic. There's so much variety from like pirate themed levels to open desert wastelands. And then my thing that I have to talk about, the variety in weapons. Ratchet and Clank has always been so like they don't hold back with their weapons they, they have so many different things that they you know just their imagination runs wild with these weapons like i still can't get over like I, i'm thinking with the next iteration of ratchet and clank how are they going to outdo what they've already done but they always do and i cannot wait to see like the future of the of the series so thacker you're you're the newest to rip the part of all of us because obviously you've 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 beaten it most recently uh Talk about what you think made this game great. Obviously, you know, it came in at four on your list, which is still a really, really high ranking. Um, what wh what do you think this game excelled at? So this game excelled from continuing Ratchet and Clank stories. 
you get to see more of it throughout the entire series that has come to be, but Rift Apart just really brought it even further. And what really excelled in this was not only did we get the original characters that we've grown to love, like Skid and Quark, but also got to see counterparts of them and see complete opposites at that to really make this game excel. One thing that I have to agree with Matt on is the next Ratchet and Clank game, they're going to have such a challenge with weapon designs because we've gotten so much over the years with it of outrageous crazy amazingness and one gun that stands out and has continuously been there has been the rhino but this rhino just stood out completely from having to get it and it not just being available from start of game and actually have to earn it so having that, it was incredible. It honestly took number one spot from my favorite Ratchet and Clanks, which was the Up Your Arsenal <laughs> game itself and has now become Rift Apart. Kyle, when, when this game was being marketed, you told me this was your most hyped game of the year. How does it feel at this point in time to be right? This game, I would say, is probably the only game this year that I would give a perfect score to. This game was 10 out of 10 in every department, in the sound design, in the graphics, in, you know, the gameplay. The The voice cast was so fantastic, dude. I mean, they really, really just went all out in every corner of this game. But can we please talk about my favorite part the motherfucking ray tracing oh my, oh my god, god dude no, i it was so beautiful seeing the light reflections coming off of the guns or even like my favorite part was how they had little glints coming off of clank as he was hanging off of the back of rivet or you know the few times he was with ratchet like there would be you know you pass by light poles or by you know different open sources where you could see these glints coming off of the guns or off of ratchet's armor or off of clank off of buildings off of windows i mean there was ray tracing everywhere it's in everything the ray tracing it's just, it was so much ray tracing. That's, that's going to be the big meme. That's that's the meme assignment yeah. right there. <laughs> Captain ray tracing Holy crap! You might need to change in, his name. In all <laughs> in all seriousness, I think Ratchet and Clank was probably the biggest surprise to me. As you know, a fan of platformers, I knew I was going to like this game. I did not expect to all out love this game i like platformers and usually if you give me one i'll play it and beat it and i'll like it this game was i mean it was a perfect game i really i have to agree with matt it was the first next gen experience that i felt and even as much as i loved returnal it had its flaws where i feel like ratchet and clank really didn't i mean most of them i think could be subjective because there's just there's nothing to complain about when it comes to this game. I I loved it from beginning to end and the thing that I want to point out the most <laughs> in seriousness is 
the cutscenes, how they just flowed with the gameplay. Like, Ratchet would literally just show up somewhere, and then boom, you're in a cutscene. Not not like, you know, it, it was cut and, you know, somewhere else this is going on. It was that cutscene happening with whatever you just did going on in the background. You know, like, I, I loved it. It was almost like a one-take with the exception of a few cuts in, you know, some of the cutscenes. It's not something you see a lot in games. I, yeah. I, I, you know, when, when you were hyping this game up at launch, I remember cautiously being like, you know, ah, you know, I'll see how this game is because the only, my, for any reference here, the only Ratchet and Clank experience I've had was the PS4 game. Yikes. And it sucked. And it sucked. So, you know, because of that, I have, I, I feel the need real quick, you know, to close this out. I feel the need to tell three quick stories. So the first one is when the game first came out and we recorded our review for it. At that point in time, I had already platinumed the game and I had already beaten the game twice. And I said, and Kyle and Matt can both quote this probably, I said that I'd probably play through it one more time, take it slow, just to enjoy the story, you know, really take it all in, enjoy my time with the characters one last time. Um, spoiler alert, obviously, it was not only one more playthrough, but I'll get to, I'll get to that part in a minute. The second story uh, that I want to tell is, uh, again, Kyle, Kyle and Matt were here for all, or we're here mm -hmm. for all of this. Um, so there was uh, a day, a Sunday, where I was bored. And I randomly texted the group chat at like 11 a.m. And I said, hey, starting at noon, from now to the end of the day, how many times do you guys think I can beat Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. And I, I think that, that randomly Kyle was like, oh, you can beat it eight times. Matt was like, yeah, you can maybe beat it twice. And I ended up beating it three times from noon to midnight. <laughs> wow. I, it was, I started at noon. The first playthrough went from noon to 3.30. Took a break to you know eat an early dinner. Uh, and then I, I, from five, I think 5 to 7.45 was the second playthrough. So it was actually 45 minutes faster somehow. I think I watched some cutscenes in the first one. Um, and then my last playthrough started at 10. And I think I was... Oh, no, I started at 9. And I was done by 11.15. So, again, like the age got faster. So I basically speed on the game. And then the last story I want to tell. This was the 10th time I beat the game. I did not only play the game three times, and I did not only beat it three times. I beat it 10 times. Most of them ever beaten the game. Kyle had an idea for me. And it was a great idea. And it was an even better idea for at the time. Because for those who don't know me, uh, in my previous job, uh, I began hating the place I worked at. Because... I was just unhappy to go there. Um, I don't want to say that I fell into depression, kind of, because I feel like that kind of overdramatizes it. Um, but I was in kind of a darker place, just wasn't very happy. Um, it wasn't anything to do with the really just, you know, I had friends at the job. I liked people there. But I just wasn't really happy. And Kyle had an idea for my 10th playthrough to play the game one level a day, and each level to go into photo mode, take a photo, and put it on Twitter and describe what I liked about that level. 
And that, I, I, I've probably never told you guys, but that, that, me doing that got me out of that dark place. It got me out of that darker place. It got me to where I was a little bit happier each day because I knew I had that to look forward to. Uh, Hell yeah. Believe it, or, believe it or not, just shortly after I finished that playthrough, for those who don't know, Jennifer Hale, one of my favorite voice actresses, she's actually the voice of Rivet, who I thought should have been performance of the year, was right up there with Giancarlo Esposito from Far Cry 6. Yes. Um, Kyle and Matt both know, in fact, you probably know too, that I had been, you know, doing the Streamly, you know, the prints, the signed prints that I've been buying. I had been waiting for months for her to do one for Rivet. The day I beat it, not an hour after I finished the playthrough, she announced that she was doing the sign. That's destiny right there. Yeah. <laughs> and, and now I have, and of course I went to Thacker. I bought a signed, a sealed copy of Rift Apart. It's now framed, hanging in my loft right now. I absolutely love this game. Um, Insomniac should really, really be praised for putting out a game of this quality because I think that in gaming, there's a lot of, there's a lot of negativity in gaming nowadays. We saw that a lot last year with Last of Us Part Two. We saw a lot of that, and 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 there's there's disappointing games that happen every year. That's part of gaming. There's I'm sure games that we wish were on this list that didn't make this list. Um, I'm sure that at the beginning of the year, if you had told us that Battlefield 2042 was going to be a gigantic fucking mess, yikes, launch, we would not have believed that. Um, <laughs> hey, goof. But in a year that had as many great games. Such as Resident Evil Village, Deathloop, Halo Infinite, Far Cry 6, Metroid Dread, Returnal, Mario Party Superstars, Scarlet Nexus, and Monster Hunter Stories 2. Rift Apart was a truly magnificent achievement, and I am incredibly thankful that I gave this franchise a second chance after playing a shitty PS4. So, <laughs> monologue aside, this has been a fantastic episode. I have loved being able to do this with you guys. Before we go, real quick. We're going to go ahead and make an announcement that we've been waiting to make for a few weeks. As everyone knows, Side Mission has been very, very silent the last couple of months. We've all been busy. Life has kind of hit us all a little bit differently. You know, I think we all work very, very busy jobs. Thacker's about to work an even busier part of his job. Um, But the reason we have Thacker here is not just because he gave us a list. Beginning in January, Side Mission's going to have a different look. Kyle has obviously got some responsibilities that keep him from being able to fully participate in side mission full-time. He'll still be around in a part-time in a part-time thing. Kyle's going to be on whatever episode he wants. So God of War Ragnarok, we already know he's going to be on that one. Big, yep. big, big fact. Oh, but yeah. Beginning in January, Matt and Thacker are going to be joining me full-time and that will be side mission moving forward. I'm super excited to get the, get things going. 2022 is going to be a massive year. I think we can all agree on that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going to start Most big. So with that being said, everybody from all of us here at Side Mission, we hope that everybody has a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holiday season, a safe and fun New Year's. For the boys, Kyle Lynch, Matt Beck, Alex Thacker, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you all in the new year.